We just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you and to look at your word and, and see what you have in store for this world as they go, full, unfolds. And we just thank you in your son's name. Amen. Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. We've, come, we've covered five of the trumpet sounding already. And remember we talked about the angel flying through the skies crying, whoa, 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 that there were three woes coming. And the fifth trumpet was the first woe, and that included the, the, stings, the stings and the diseases that lasted for, uh, I forgot how many months, but five, five months. <laughs> I didn't see it here on my, five months, that they, and they could not die because God was holding back death. So there was great pains and stuff going on. So we're going to get ready to look at the sixth angel sounding. Verse 13, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which was before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, and which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay a third part of the men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and, and, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horsemen were as the heads of lion, and, then, and out of their mouths issued smoke, a fire and smoke and brimstone. And by th these three, the third part of men were killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. I'm going to stop there for just a moment, because we've got quite a bit <laughs> going on. All right, so the sixth angel sounds, and there's a voice from the, from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now, the, the, the altar before God and the four horns was referring to the altar of incense that is in heaven. And we see that description in, in uh, Exodus 30. So we'll turn to Exodus 30 because Exodus, remember when God gave the plan for the tabernacle, he told Moses to be careful that he made it exactly the way God told him with the dimensions and everything because it was a representation of the court of heaven with the mercy seat which God actually sits on, the, the altar of incense before him, the, the lamp, everything is there in heaven. And here we're seeing the real one, but we're just going to look at the description of it so we kind of get a picture of what it looks like. Exodus chapter 30, and starting at verse 1. And you shall make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shall you make it, a cubic and a half there, thereof, and a cubic breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be, and two cubics shall it be in height thereof. And the horns there shall be of the same. And you shall overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof around about it and the horns thereof and you shall make unto it a crown of gold around about it. Two golden rings shall you make under the crown by the two corners thereof for the two sides of it shall you make it and they shall be a place for the staves to bear it withal. And you shall make the staves of shittim wood and cut overlaid with gold and you shall put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. So we see the design of this ark of the in, uh, uh, altar of incense. And it was, it was 
cubic and a half, excuse me, one cubit, one cubit in length and around it, which is about 18 inches. So it's not a huge altar for it, but it's burning incense. And these incense are one that God gives them a, a design for. And remember the incense and the smoke of the incense, as we talked about the bringing before, the smoke of the incense represents the prayers of the saints ascending to God. All right, so we're seeing the, the incense altar of heaven now in this, in this one. And it has the horns. It has a little horn on each side. And horns in the scriptures represent power, authority, kingdoms, depending on... So in prophetic situations, when we see the word horn, we're usually referring to some form of power or authority. We're going to see it when the dragon comes up with seven horns on his head. And that represents seven kingdoms, okay? So this is just to help you get it. So off the, out, of the, out of this altar with the authority and power of God are the voices, the voices of prayers. And we see that here in, in Revelation, that the voices from come out, and this voice that comes out says, loose the four angels from the Euphrates. Now, this is pictured by most people that these are fallen angels or demons that have been bound up. These, so if that's the case, then these are particularly evil angels because they've been bound up for a period of time, whether it's from the very beginning or from the time just before Noah when, when, when uh, the demons had so much going on. We don't know exactly when they were bound. It doesn't, we're not, that's not told, but something is bound in Euphrates at, at the Euphrates, which is whether it's literally the Euphrates or just the picture that they're going to be let loose in the Middle East, is which is kind of what I believe is they're just going to be let loose at the Middle Middle East. I don't think they're literally bound in the Euphrates, in the Euphrates, but that God is going to loose them where the hot spot of the world is, and for whatever reason that area has been. God's chosen place. He's put his presence in, in Jerusalem. He says that the promised land is his, is his people. And remember that the boundaries of Israel by what God has given them is from the Mediterranean all the way over to the Euphrates Tigers rivers on the northeast, all the way down to the peninsula of Saudi Arabia in that desert area. And so the area that they have been given is so much larger than they have ever had, except possibly in the days of Solomon, where Solomon and David almost had all the land that they were promised. And that was about the only time they've had all of their land were those two kings. Beyond that, it has been practically nothing. And today is really nothing. They got just small sliver of land that's supposed to be theirs. And the world is wanting them to give away most of that. <laughs> So we're, we're seeing that out of this trumpet sounding is going to be a major loosing of something. Now, if they're angels, they're powerful angels implementing God's, God's command. And it's kind of both directions. There's about 50-50 on whether they're just angels or whether they're demonic fallen angels that are being released. Either way, it doesn't matter. They're going to do God's, God's bidding. And so they, they released, and it says, the four angels which were prepared for an hour, a day, and a month, and a year to slay a third part of the man. That time statement there basically just means that they were prepared for a specific time. 
we would probably say it for, for a particular year, a particular month, a particular day, a particular hour. Okay, except in this case, they reverse the order, which makes it look funny to us as, as Americans because that's not the way we, we, we don't look at time hours to years. We, we look at it when we write it out years to, years to, to the hours and stuff. But, but basically, it just says they were released for a specific time. And this time being the end day, the end times, and so we see this, and then they're going to slay a third part of the population, and so we're looking at this at this point in time, just in the two that gives us particular numbers, forty-nine and a half percent of all the population has been killed. Okay, we had a quarter killed earlier, and now we have a third part being killed. And it's 49.5% of the population is dead at this point in time. Plus all the other ones that say that they died with, that we don't have numbers for. So more than 49, so we're probably more than 50% of the population of the world that's left after the, after the rapture is now dead. And we figure, we, we look at it about 7.5 billion people, so you've got, you've got only three and a half billion people left on this world at most and probably less because there were a number of things that happened that we didn't where it said people died but we didn't have any figures. any figures for so we, as much as 60 or 70 percent of the population is already dead at this point this is going to be a violent time to live and i've heard people go well i'll just try to make it through the tribulation and it's like good luck yeah. now good luck because the odds are against you. It's going to be the worst time that this world has ever been experienced where people are being killed and dying because since God's wrath, well, since the flood, yeah. Said uh, because God's wrath is poured out upon this world. He's taken his church out and he's just pouring wrath on them. And the only ones that will be not suffering as bad will be the, those that have been marked by God, which we know is at least 144,000 Jews, and probably whoever they lead to the, to the crowd will be marked. Do you think, are they still protected in this? Bits and pieces. I think it's going to be just like it was in the ten, ten plagues of Egypt. Some of them hit the Egyptian, uh, hit the Israelites, some did not. And God will show, and I'm sure it doesn't say it specifically, but I'm sure there was one place when we saw in, the, in seal five, uh, trumpet five, where it says you cannot sting those who are marked. Uh, so I believe it's going to be much like the ten plagues of Egypt. Some, some they will suffer just to say, you know, hey, you're not ex totally exempt, and some they will be spared from. So I don't think the deaths are going to be, as, be there when they're marked. Uh, but there may also, but they may go through some of these because it was only that fifth trumpet that they specifically said, "Don't touch the marked." And there's a couple others coming up where it specifically says, "Don't, you know, don't touch those who are marked." So I think it's very much like the ten plagues. Some they suffer, some they don't, and we can't be sure because one thing you want to be very, very careful. And I tell this to everybody: just because the Bible doesn't say something doesn't mean that it that happen. it has or hasn't happened okay so we have to be very careful because a lot of people make an assumption well it doesn't say that they were touched well it doesn't say they were you know that they weren't either so we have to be very careful about 
Because if you start taking it out of silence, you can make the Bible say anything. Because if we wanted the Bible to touch on every single thing that's going to happen, we wouldn't be carrying the Bible around. <laughs> It'd be too big a book. So it gives us principles. It gives us the important things. And we need to be careful about that. And I've heard people say some really crazy things because the Bible didn't say something. And it's like, uh, well, I'm sorry. Just because it doesn't say <laughs> doesn't mean that it is or isn't going to happen. And so we want to be careful with that. But it, it does appear to me that I think it's going to be very much like the ten plagues. Some, some they'll get hit by, some they won't. And so we see these angels being released on a particular day to slay a third part of the population, which brings us, like I say, brings us up to 49.5% that we know dead, the quarter and the, and the third, and then plus others that didn't bring, weren't brought out. And then the four angels were loosed, and, and um, verse 16, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them, so he didn't count them. Uh, if you want to figure that out, 200,000 is 200 million. That's a pretty large That's a lot. Uh, group. Yes. And, and it says they were horsemen. And then we look at his description of these horsemen. Verse 17, And I saw the horses in a vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jacinth, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued smoke, a fire, smoke, and brimstone. And I just want to say, when we look at this description, we know that these are not horses. <laughs> okay? Uh, from our, our, our description, and we look at them, they sound very much like tanks to me. Okay? Breastplates, fire blowing out of them, smoke, and... And so I'm going to say in this particular description, this is one of those places where you say it's not literal. It is a figurative description. He would have heard them called Calvary probably, and we still to this day call the, the, the tank divisions Calvary divisions. Uh, they move in quickly, fast, and are destructive and fearful. And so this is one of those places where I'm going to say this is not a literal army of horses, but he heard probably Calvary and decided it's horses and couldn't just couldn't figure out the, you know, he's looking at these horses to him, which would look very strange. And, but we look at this and say, yeah, we can picture these as tanks, you know, iron breastplates painted, painted with a, jazz thin is a red color that is almost black. It is so deep red. And we would see, and if you've ever seen tanks, they paint them and they make them look, <laughs> look strange. Um, and mine huh? Has red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. Okay, it's that it could very well be the you know we could picture that as as the colors and and and, and everything. Um, you know, breastplates of fire would indicate an orange or a yellow. Jasmine is a. Mine said jasmine. Is a very deep red. It's a deep red that's almost black in its in its color, and brimstone would be sulfurish, yellowish color. Uh, and so, as we look at it and we say, okay, these sound more like more like tanks. You know, they've got you know their 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 heads of the horses were like lions, and the mouths issued forth. And it's going to talk about the 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 lions roaring, which would you know if you. If you, for us, would be the roar of an engine, but he's not going to know what an engine is. He's just going to hear something that roars. And if you think about the sound of an engine, 
it they even even to this day we call it yeah. the roar of the engine you know it's and so here we have a, a very clear place where it seems to be very clear to us that this is symbolic he's seeing something he doesn't understand and if you think about it if you were used to nothing but you know the, the fastest thing you know of is a chariot you know, and horses can only go maybe 30 miles an hour if they're really really being whipped into a frenzy and all of a sudden he's seeing that's why I say it's so amazing I mean when I've been reading this it's like it can be today but they don't know how you know that was back then he doesn't know how to describe what he's seeing it's like he hears them called calvary so okay they're horses they don't look a bit like horses to me but let me describe these horses that i'm seeing well just like 25 years ago i never would have thought of a cell phone yeah all the stuff on here it's almost like that right yeah you know it's yep and he's seeing he's seeing things from 2000 years ago that's i mean that is with no idea what he's seeing you know he's seeing buildings that he can't even fathom being buildings because of what he's used to seeing you know, a big castle, you know, or the big tower is not, you know, we think of these castles having huge, huge, you know, parapets and everything. But there, if you really see the old castles, their towers were very tiny. They were 10, maybe 20 feet round <laughs> going straight up. Of course, back then that was big. And that was a big deal yeah. to build. You know, now he's going to, and John is going to see skyscrapers and buildings yeah. that he can't even fathom the size of he's gonna he's seeing cars and planes and all this stuff and he's not gonna understand any of what he's seeing it's like I, I think sometimes if these people were here nowadays they wouldn't know yeah. this is like going to Mars or something you know mm -hmm. and same thing for us if we if were we if we were to go there. into the future if we were to go back there we wouldn't know what we're doing no. And if we go into the future, we, we wouldn't understand anything about what we're seeing. But That's we'd... what's so amazing. So, and then verse 18, By these three were a third part of the men killed by fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. Okay, and we, we could picture that being the shells. And they would look like fire yeah. fire coming out of it to him, and they would smoke, and the smell of the, of the gunpowder would be sulfurous to him. So he's seeing artillery shells and you figure artillery shells from 200 million <laughs> tanks that's a lot of tanks but that really sounds like yeah that's what it could be because on how it says it loud I never thought of it you know thinking it that way you know but now I understand because a lot of times when I read it I just like what is that yeah to me these are tanks I mean I could be wrong but it sounds like no, a very clear description like of tanks to me I had, I had read that this battle, the one-sided battle, was like a preview of what's described later as Armageddon. Do you, do you think that is? Or? Mm, it's too far away from Armageddon. This is, okay. it may be a, this is just an attack of people against people at this moment, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, and you figure that the demon, if it is demon, demons that pop out of this, they're whipping people into anger in battles even if it's angelic god has the power of doing the same thing saying it's okay we're gonna we're gonna create battle god's given us the chance to create battle but i this is why i kind of think they're these angels that are being loosed are demonic because of what happens thereafter and the way it looks like they're whipping men into a huge huge war at this point i mean 200, 000, uh, 200 million tanks is a pretty large you know tank invasion one, one way or both ways 
killing a lot of people, but we can imagine, you know, this many tanks being going into battle, you'd lose a lot of life. Yeah. A lot of life real quick. And, and uh, verse nine, 19 says, And there was power in their mouth and in their tails, and their tails were like unto the serpents, and their heads were, they did hurt. And this again refers to tanks have weaponry in the, on the backside, the side. You know, they've got the machine guns, they, you know, that are, are on each side. And, you know, all kinds of things that they have on there. So, we're, again, I think we're still talking about tanks here. You know, here. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands. Okay, again, so this tale shows us God's purpose in all of this is to bring man to repentance. Okay, God is not trying to just be mean to the people. I mean, if all he wanted to do was destroy people, he would have done another, you know, he'd have just issued the fire at this point and said, okay, you're all gone. Okay. Just as he did in, Noatic, in the Noadic flood, he took Noah and his family, yeah. you know, protected them and killed Wiped the rest. Yeah. God is perfectly capable if he's saying he's tired of everybody to totally wipe out mankind. But he's trying to bring them to him, and yet the majority are hardening their hearts and not repenting of the works of their hands. And they should not worship devils. And we have a lot of things going on, and it's been very amazing over these last few years to watch the rise of devil worshiping again. Okay? And we've got it broken down into several camps now. You've got black magic, which has always been around, but it's starting to pick up. And now you have the white magic, which is really picking up again through Wicca and all these other places. And, and white and black magic are the same power. <laughs> I don't know anything about white, what, white magic. White magic is supposedly good magic. Oh. You know, they don't do bad things. They, yeah. they try to bless you, and that's what Wicca is all about, is trying to give blessings and everything. But the power source behind both of them is Satan. Yeah. And most of the people who really get deep into white magic realize it's the same thing and eventually yeah. will cross the, cross the border. Black magic is more into Satan worship and, and demonic worship than, than white. White is... That's yeah. what I don't like. That's what's on TV lately. They're getting a lot of the stupid, those kind of movies. I think yeah. they're gross. So, ridiculous. White magic is how Satan draws people into the deeper, heavier stuff. And when you're practicing white magic, they, they, they don't really think that they're practicing the same thing. They just think they're on the good side of, of the power and they only, do, they only do good things. And you'll hear that. If you ever have the opportunity to talk to anybody who's practicing it, you know, they'll try to tell you, no, you don't understand. And I go, yeah, I do understand, but you'll understand in the future if you keep following down this, this path. No, because one uh, time somebody came to my shop and something about white magic, and I didn't know what they were talking about. I, I said, I don't believe in any magic. I believe in God. That's, I'm sorry. White magic's good. I said, I don't know that. So I'm sorry. Well, now you know what white magic's all okay, about. Yeah, it, yeah. it eventually will lead to... Well, I need that kind of magic. Deeper. So it is, it's all the same power source. It's, yeah. it's all getting into worshiping of devils. And God's we, not magic. He's it, powerful. Yeah. Uh, so we see, but we're seeing that resurgence yeah. back into this whole, this whole side of thing. And idols of gold and silver, which I'm not going to be surprised when we start seeing those again. They're still out there with the Hindus and the... And, and the Buddha, you know, those who practiced uh, Buddhism, who still use, use their symbol of the Buddha. Uh, there's still many out there that are using 
really using idolatry. Wasn't that back like in the 60s? Uh, they used to do that a lot. Well, I don't know. I don't, I the Catholics still have yeah. their little idol, their little saints, saints and idols that they pray to. And if you if you live someplace like Baltimore, where I used to live, about seventy percent of the yards had little yeah. had a Mary in them and a Joseph and a number of other idols would be sitting out there. Not that they were sitting there praying, you know, bowing down to them that, that I ever saw, but they had all their little. <laughs> little statues out in the yard or windows uh, and it won't be long before they're literally going down and bowing to them because that is how they started okay when the Catholic Church first started and became the official not the uh, the approved religion of Rome all the people did were take their their little statues of Apollo and Mercury and and Athena out and they put Mary and Joseph and Paul and Peter in the statues and they prayed to the statues that they had always prayed to. They just changed who they were and their names. Now over the years the Catholic Church has pulled away from the actual bowing in front of the shrine but it's not going to surprise me in the end days to see that revert back to its origin. Okay, And the Catholic Church does not have good in the way it started okay it took Christianity and kind of blended it with all of the stuff that they had and they just changed the pantheon of gods to a pantheon of saints and started praying to the saints and practiced a lot of really strange things and this is why the roots of Catholicism are not good and because their roots aren't good we will see them fall into this system and I'm not saying that every Catholic is, doesn't know God or anything and that every priest is bad. I'm just saying the root is bad, so it's hard to have good fruit you know, out there. And because it started wrong and almost destroyed Christianity in its process, and there's always been a group underneath them that, that celebrated the way, you know, the way the church was supposed to be built, that were Protestants. You had the Anabaptists at that time, which were were not the beginning of the Baptist church as a lot of Baptists like to try to believe but they were the they were following the Bible's way of doing things in in opposition to the Roman Catholic Church and so we see all of this thing and, and the worshiping of idols of gold silver brass and stone and wood which can neither hear nor see I love that yeah the Bible's very the Bible makes some really interesting things about idol worship and yeah and uh, I can't remember if it was Jeremiah or Isaiah they talk about a man going out chopping down a tree cutting it in half making his using half of it for the fire and making a god out of the other half and praying to the praying to the god as he gives the cakes that were cooked in the other half of the fire to the god that can't that needed to be nailed up yeah mine says wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk <laughs> right so and that refers to all the gold silver gold silver and stone and wood you know but these idols and we're seeing more and more of this moving along as the as we're seeing more of the eastern eastern world who still follows a lot of this idolatry worship there's a lot of idolatry worship literal idol worship going on in in the in asia still Okay, they go to these temples of Krishna. They go to the to the temple with the big Buddhas in it and, and bow down and, 
and pray. They go to these different places and actually bow down before these idols still. And that's starting to make a resurgence. And we see this happening all the time. And there's nothing new under the sun. That's what, that's what Solomon tells us. They've been going on. What has happened is happening again. And we see it over and over. And every religion that comes up, it comes up and it says, we're brand new. All they've done is change the words and, the, and, and things about it, but it's still the old. Okay? And we see it over and over again that all these different things that pop up are just the old being re recycled. And we're going to start seeing, I, I really predict that because it tells us we're going to see it, that we're going to see people literally, maybe even the majority of people, bowing down to idols again. You know, and which is kind of scary and, and, and hard for us, especially in the Western world to think of. But in the Eastern world, it's still going on a lot. They should read where it said, can neither... Um, neither hear, nor see, hear, nor walk. Or walk. You're like, yeah, I mean, put a sign by what? Sorry, this can't do this, 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 this. My <laughs> God can. Yeah. And that's why, but, but if you think about this, Israel's problem, all of its existence was the same thing. They're worshiping the God that created the heavens and the earth, that has power, and they would turn their back on him to go worship Baal, uh, go worship you know, all these other gods out there, and offer their children as sacrifice to these gods, and walk away from God. And it never made any sense. It's never made any sense to me, but yet people do it. And I can see it happening. We're seeing it happen. Or you hear on the news a lot, like, this person murders this person because God told me to. Their family. You hear that a lot lately. Because yeah. people go by what, yeah. what their emotions tell them. And this That's is, this is the problem that we're seeing. And even amongst wrong. Christians is that they won't stick with the Bible. The one thing I can tell you, if you tell me that God told you to do yeah. something and it's contrary to the Bible, I'm going to tell you God did not tell you that. Period. And if they don't like it, that's tough because God is not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to his word. And this has been my, as I've counseled over the years with people who, you know, especially young kids that wanted to get married and go, well, God's telling me to marry this person even though they're not saved. And I'm going, no, he's not. They go, well, how can you tell me that? Because God says, don't be unequally yoked. Plain, simple, end of story, it's done. No. <laughs> now, it's not God telling you to do it if it's contrary to the word, which goes into these people who say, God told me to kill yeah. them. No, he didn't. He says, don't, don't commit murder. God told me, big one that we hear, God, God is telling me to divorce my spouse because we're just not compatible. Wrong. God does not. God hates divorce. He's not going to tell you to, to but get divorced. One, but then they have the excuse because the lawyer would say, well, then he's insane. He said this and that. That's how they get away. Well, with, with you can stuff. do whatever you want. I, know, I mean, but it's, but you can't say that God I know it. said to do it. They don't get away with it. They put them in a hospital yeah. for criminally insane, which is worse than prison. But, but it is one of those things where we see so many people be, go with their emotions. And our emotions will lie to us. And I love it when some, well, my heart is, their heart is good. No, their heart is deceitfully wicked. Now, if I'm following my heart, I'm going to do wrong. My goal must always be, what does God say to do? and follow his word.
And if we follow his word, in the long run, we will be okay because God's word is always true. And the, the greatest thing about this is we see people who say, well, I'm just incompatible. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not happy with the person that I'm living with. Well, if they will stay together, the statistics show us that within three to five years, they'll be back in love and, and liking each other again. And God knew that. He knows that we're going to have these times when our emotions will lie to us and say that it's all over. And I've been married long enough now that I know exactly what this is like. After, let's see, 34 years, <laughs> I have seen times when we really love each other and times when we're looking at each other and saying, you know, who is this in my yeah. house and why are we together? And then we wait a little longer and we're back in love with each other, you know, with the feelings. Okay, because love is a choice. We choose to love somebody. And when somebody says, I don't love this person, that, is, you, that means you've made a choice not to love that person. And if you've made that choice to love somebody, you just stay, that, stay with that choice. And the feelings will come along eventually. The feelings ebb and flow and go backwards and forwards and up and down and will lie to us. But if we've made that choice, we stay together. We stay, we stay and say, I'm in love. And sometimes it's been, sometimes it's, I love my wife just because I've chosen to love her. And then there's times when my feelings are there and say, and I love her. And everybody who's been married any length of time is, knows that is what happens. And marriages last right now about three to five years because that's about how long the emotions, the longest the emotions will last for the high. And then, then they start irritating you for a while and you start getting upset and you, and you say, well, we're incompatible. And in our day and age, that is all it takes to be divorced. And you get divorced on that first down. And you never make it back up to the other side to say that we love each other in the feelings again. And here is what God is saying. They're not there. And verse 21 says, Neither repented them of their murders, of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. Okay, murders. We have people that are physically committing murders all over the place. But beyond that, how many people spend time assassinating people with their words? Okay. And God says that's just as much of a murder and probably hurts more than a physical, physical one because you can tear somebody apart. And you can tear up their reputation. You can destroy them. And I've seen this in the business world where some subordinate will... will basically assassinate their boss because they're wanting their position. And you see this, the whole idea of the murders out there that people are, are committing. Then it says sorceries, and the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. If you don't know, have never heard that. Pharmakia is where we get pharmacy from, and it literally means the use of or administering drugs. <laughs> Okay, and much of sorcery over the years has included the use of drugs and or other uh, scientific type of uh, things, smoke and mirrors of the magicians, where they have the, the uh, flameless gunpowder that they just rub real quick and smoke pops out of their hands, okay. Always part of the sorcery is, has been this whole smoke and mirrors and pharmacy type and drugs inducing uh, 
Sorcery is also the magical arts that are often found with connection with idolatry and foster, uh, fostering it. The deceptions and seductions of idolatry. The, the idea of bringing hallucinatory drugs into the situation and, and everything. I've seen people heal with placebos. Mm -hmm. If you think you're healed, you're going to be healed. Drug, um, and they yeah. believe they're healed through God, but they, the placebo, oh, thank you, they say mine, you know. You know that the mind generates, there are a lot of healing or sicknesses are produced by, by uh, the mind a lot of times. And there are people who are really sick and, and their body gets sick because they believe they're sick. And it's not that they have a disease or anything, it's just the mind, the, their mind is convinced they're sick and their body says, okay, if you're really that, if we're really that sick, then I guess I better, be <laughs> I guess I better be sick. I say mind over matter. You can so, and that doesn't mean that every single disease is, is that way, but there are, we, we've all probably met somebody who has convinced themselves that they are sick and, and the doctors can't really find a reason for it, but they know that they are sick. They, their body follows along. And here in, the, in this sorceries is including not is the magics, but it's also the drug-induced magics and the hallucinatory effect of drugs. And a lot of magic over the years and the sorcery over the years has included, you know, putting chemicals into the air and or water and, and inducing hallucinations with people and being able to subject them to projections of things. They've used hi hypnosis and everything on people and, and drugs that produce that stuff. And, and, and so he's saying their sorceries, their control of people through that drug inducement. And, and you think about this, and, and our world is trying to, in our day and age, make more and more drugs acceptable. Okay, our current one is, is the marijuana out there. And I don't know that it's good or bad, I don't really care, I just know that I don't want to be myself, you know, under anything that's going to generate, but it leads to others, and there will be other drugs that are introduced saying, well, if this one's okay and acceptable, why isn't this one or that one? And, and we're gonna see more and more drugs being used. And if you watch any science, science fiction shows, a lot of times drugs are used as the way of controlling the population. They you numb to, them down to unthinking beings and you can control them. They wanted to put it in the water supply like fluoride. Yeah. Put LSD in the water supply was actually contemplated by the government to, to control people and yeah. make them see differently. And this is, this is, so we're seeing that this was already out there that they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to repent of this. Nor their fornications, and fornication is any illicit sex outside of marriage, but it also is used by God of, uh, in a spiritual sense of anything that's against, you know, worshiping against him. And he considers that a fornication or adultery because he says, you belong to me, and because you belong to me, you shouldn't be worshiping other gods. Okay, so the primary definition of fornication is any illicit sex, and we look at that, that is rampant in our world at this day. Uh, some 50% almost of the population of America are living together unmarried, which is fornication, living in fornication, and it's acceptable in America and the rest of the world. And we're seeing all of that, all this disobedience of God going on, and God is saying they're not ready to even repent of that. And then we see all these people that are making up their own religions. 
you know, and I, and I see it all the time where people say, well, I believe this much of the Bible, and then I'm going to pull in some of uh, the Buddhism, and then I'm going to go over here and pick up some Zen, Zen, Zen philosophy. Baha'i, doesn't it? it recognizes all religions. Well, huh? Baha'i, have you heard of that? Uh, Baha'i is a mixture of a bunch of them. And people go, well, I like this, I like that, and they're kind of picking and choosing what they like and saying, I'm just going to go create my own religion. And it's really sad when you meet people like that. But it's even worse when you meet Christians who are going, well, I like this part of the Bible, I don't like this part of the Bible, I like that Jesus died for me, but I don't believe everybody's going to. No, you can't pick and choose what you want out of the Bible. And very critical that when we look at this, we say, and I've said it over and over, if any part of this is not true, <laughs> I might as well just throw the book away and live in whatever lifestyle I want to live in because there's no hope. If all I got to do is, is hope that maybe my goodness will get me into heaven, I'm in trouble. I need every word of this book to be true, and if it's not, I'm going to throw it away. And if anybody can ever prove to me that there's something in there that's not true, then it's time to just throw it away and live the way, whatever way I want. But after all the years of study, I know that it is all true and all right. And then it says, nor of their thefts. And you know, this is getting to be also something we're seeing a lot more in this world. Just people who steal. And we're seeing it from governments stealing from the people and saying, that, well, it may be yours, you think, but you know, we're going to tell you how you can use it. In other words, we don't own it. And we're slipping more and more away from this idea that we own things to the government saying, well, we really own it. We're just letting you use it the way we want you to use it. And better take care of it, though, because if you don't, we'll take it away from you. And so we're seeing the government stealing. We're seeing people that are just willing to steal like for no the, reason. Those riots and see people just break in and steal everything. Yeah, we see the riots. I've seen them steal my property. I've had properties when I was a kid. I didn't know about taxes. And the government sucked it up. The state of Arizona absorbed it. Well, yeah. I don't like what they're trying to do now in the county with mobile homes. Yeah. It's seven years can't or less. That you can't and move them anymore. Definitely. But it's not just the government where we're seeing this. We're seeing it even, you know, the fact that, you know, 60, 70 years ago, you could leave your house unlocked and nobody would be, yeah. nobody would steal a line. Now, if you leave your house unlocked, you can come back and find nothing in your house. Yeah, uh, keywords on the phone. If you say a certain thing, that it clicks on a red flag to the FBI. Uh, I'm talking any terrorist thing or, or kind of talking about weaponry or anything. So, or whatever you well, want. there's all kinds of stuff that's going on right now, and, and we're seeing it. But, it, but we see it even amongst people, you know, where we can't, you can't leave your car unlocked because you might lose it. You can't, you know, can't leave things unattended. You know, security systems are becoming more and more not just a luxury item, but more and more something you almost have to have to be able to protect your stuff. And we see in all of this, and God is saying, nobody's willing to repent of all of this. They're not repenting. And we see it. Even today we're seeing where people just don't see anything wrong with it. They're not willing to repent. And this is why the Holy Spirit is here to help motivate them and to convict them. And, and we're, live, we're supposed to be living a lifestyle that, that draws people and con convicts them. And they won't repent now. How much less at this point? And God is saying they're not repenting. And again, it, it, there's this picture of going back into the plagues of Egypt where Pharaoh's heart 
hardened. Okay. Toward the end, he had a lot of his people saying, let these people go before we're totally wiped out. And his heart is still hardening, even though he's got God on one side, you know, hitting him. And his people saying, hey, we're being destroyed, Pharaoh. Let these people go. And I'm sure there's some going to be some people. I'm, I'm sure there's not 100% of the people that aren't repenting. But it definitely indicates that most of them are not repenting. They're not willing to repent. They're not willing to turn away from what they are doing and moving forward. Well, let's go ahead and close with prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for just a glimpse of what will happen after the church is taken out. Lord, help this to motivate us to share the gospel with others so they don't have to go through this, Lord. We're more than half the population is already wiped out and we haven't even gotten into the the seventh trumpet or the vials and Lord you've got your wrath to pour out and we just thank you for your grace and mercy now in your son's name. Amen.